All right. Can we celebrate what God's doing? It's awesome to see how God is moving in these other campuses and um, to see how he's moving here in Statesboro. And it's, it's cool to be able to be a part of that and be able to be a part of sending people. Um, and, and we're all a part of that. If this is your church, you've been a part of planning these other campuses that are really seeing people's lives changed. And um, as he said, that's Jeremy over in Millen. And, uh, and cool things are happening. Great things are happening. People are coming to know the Lord. People's lives are being transformed. Um, and it's because we were willing to be sent, be willing to be sent out into the world. And so we're excited about that. I'm excited about today. I'm excited to continue this series. Uh, it's it's uh, going to be in Acts chapter 26 today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen for you. But Acts chapter 26, we're looking at this concept of being sent and, and what it means to be sent. And uh, today we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. And in this section of Scripture that we're looking at, Paul is basically going to... Um, be given a defense of his faith. He's standing before a man by the name of King Agrippa, and he's given a defense of his faith, and he's telling basically his testimony to King Agrippa and, and, and what, is, what, he, um, what he experienced with Jesus is basically what he's talking about. And so we're going to pick up in verse 9, Acts 26, verse 9, and, and we'll read to about verse 16, and then we'll, we'll talk about those verses, but then we'll jump over and keep going through this section uh, as we go through the message. And so it says in verse 9, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the books in the New Testament. And, and you look at that, and here he is. He's persecuting the church. Before he got saved, he was a, a persecutor of the church. He was approving of the Christian's death. He was putting people in prison. Um, all this is going on. He says, many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. So let's pray and we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for who you are, for what you do in our lives, God. Thank you for your word that is alive and active. Let it be alive today, God. I pray that you would flood this place with the power of your Holy Spirit, God. Would you fill me to overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit? This message would not be done in human strength or human wisdom, but it would be done in, in a demonstration of the power of God. God, would you do that now? God, we thank you that you're faithful. We're two or, two or three are gathered in your name. Lord, you are there, so we know you're here. God, let us be awakened to your presence now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I know for me, I had an experience this past week where I kind of just was overwhelmed with the, the, the faithfulness of God. Um, it wasn't something I expected. It, it was just something that hit me all of a sudden. I was actually uh, coming into the office, and I parked out in that front parking lot out there. I was coming in early one morning, and I, as I started to get to the door, it just hit me about all that God's done 
in, in, in this church and all that God's done through you and God's done through our lives. And, and it just hit me all of a sudden. And I realized um, just looking at the building, what, how faithful God has been, not just to build a building. That's not what we've ever been about, but, a, but building his church, building people, putting people together, uniting us together with a mission, with a vision, with a purpose to reach unbelievers and to connect unbelievers to God and to see people connected to a growing relationship with Jesus has really been our heart. And to see God being faithful in that and seeing God doing these things, uh, it really began to overwhelm me. And then during the week, I had a friend of mine send me a picture I wanted to show you. Some of you may have seen it on social media. But I thought that was just such a cool picture um, with the rainbow coming down, uh, looks like, into the church. And, and I feel like it was God's promise. I went and looked for a pot of gold, didn't find that. But I thought we were going to be rolling in it for a while, but didn't happen. Um, but but it, it did really just encourage me because it reminded me again of God's faithfulness to see that rainbow coming down into the building, knowing that God's hand is on this place, that I don't have to carry this. You don't have to carry this thing, that God's got it in his hands and God's going to take care of it. God's going to do what he wants to do. And as I was thinking about his faithfulness, the thing that I really began to think about was the fact that God's not finished that God's got more he wants to do and that God's gonna be faithful to do um, everything that he's promised through this church, that he began this thing and he's gonna be the one who, who finishes it. He, he's the author and perfecter of our faith and he's gonna be the author and perfecter of this church and, and doing everything that he's called us to do as we're faithful to him. And the thing that I thought about with that though is if, if we're gonna be faithful to God, then there's some things we need to do. We need to, one, realize that we've been sent, that God is sending us. This is a, 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 a sending of God. It's a movement of God. And the other thing I was thinking about this week is just how easy it is, even though God is so faithful and his promises are true, for, for life to come against us and for life to try to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And I just want to encourage you for a minute with this, because in verse 16, it just jumped out at me and spoke to my heart. It says, now get up and stand on your feet. So Paul has had this experience with Jesus. And then he, he looks at him and he says, now get up and stand on your feet. And I just feel like there's people here and there are people in, uh, in this county, in this town that, that have been beaten down, that have been put down, that have been uh, just, just having to really find strength to get through life. And the encouragement I want to give you today is to stand up in the strength of God. The good thing about it is when our strength is gone, God's strength is there. And when I, we run out of ourselves, sometimes that's the best place we can be because then, then we're ready to turn to God. The thing I realize is sometimes you have to go through some stuff before you get to a place where you can really appreciate all that God's done. And my encouragement to you today is maybe you've been through some stuff. Maybe you've gotten knocked down. Maybe, maybe things haven't gone your way. Maybe you've seen some trials. You've seen some difficult days. But the thing I want to encourage you with is you can stand in the strength of God. You can stand in the strength of Jesus. You can get back up and go in his strength. Your strength may be gone, but God's strength is still there. I want to encourage you that he's never left you, never forsaked you. He is with you, and he'll be with you to the end. Now stand and go in the strength that he's given you taking one step at a time in his strength and, and, and going in what he has for you. If we're going to be faithful to do what God's called us to do and we're going to be sent, that's what we have to do. We've got to, we've got to go in his strength. We've got to stand in his strength. We've got to move in his strength. In this section of scripture, one of the things that, that you see is, is, is a pattern. 
that we need to recognize in our own life if we're gonna be faithful to what God's called us to do and we're gonna do the things that he's told us to do. Here's the thing I know. God's gonna be faithful to do what he's promised. We just need to be faithful to do what God tells us to do. And so when you look at this, there's some things I want you to see out of this text. It begins in verse 16. It says in verse 16, now get up and stand on your feet. And and Jesus tells him, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. The very first thing I want you to see about this is that when God sends us, he sends us with an appointment. He sends us with an appointment, not like an appointment on the calendar, but like an appointment, an appointed place to be, an appointed place to go. Paul actually was sent to the Gentiles. And you'll see in just a minute that when he started his ministry, he started right where God had placed him, in Damascus. He was on the road to Damascus when he encountered Jesus. He started right where God had placed him, in Damascus. And see, it's important for us to know where we're appointed because that's our circle of influence. That's the people we're called to influence. That's the people we've been given influence with so that we can do what God's called us to do, so we can influence them towards God. And you see that in this, that Paul, uh, he's appointed first to Damascus and then back to Jerusalem and then to Judea and then to the Gentiles in in any area he could get to. He carried the gospel to them. But I'm asking you this morning, what's your appointment? What's your appointment? What has God given you to to have influence in? If If you have a job, it's your workplace. One of the places is your workplace. If you have a family, then it's your family. If you have children, it's your children. We need to recognize these places we've been appointed to so that we can be faithful stewards of what God's given us. And he calls us to do this. See, he was, Paul was called to the Gentiles. I believe this. I believe in 1985, God sent me to Statesboro, Georgia. That's a long time ago. And so most of you weren't even born. You're like, 1985, is that when they had them parachute pants and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, that was back then. Um, it was crazy decade, right? But the thing was, in 1985, I believe God sent us to Statesboro. My dad worked for Georgia Power, and he was transferred uh, down here to work at Plant Vogel. We, we started to go to Waynesboro, but we, honestly, when we came through there that day, they were having a Klan rally, and we were like, just get out of here as fast as we could go. In 1985, that nonsense and stupidity was still going on. And so he, he, we, we got out of there as fast as we could. We were coming south, and we were about to hit Millen, but we blinked and went through Millen. And so we kept on going. And, and, and then uh, the next place was Statesboro. And so we stopped in Statesboro. That's where we settled down. That's where we, we got a house and, and began to, to live. But I don't believe that whole thing was about a job transfer. I don't believe that whole thing was about just getting my dad to a different job. I believe God was planting us here in, about 31 years ago. I believe that God had a work that he wanted us to do in this in this community and in this surrounding area. And I believe that God was appointing us to this area. I remember reading about 15 years ago, I was praying about starting a business and I was reading Joshua chapter one. And in there, the Bible says that uh, Joshua, God tells Joshua, everywhere that the sole of your foot treads, I'll give you this land. And then he tells Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. And as, as I was reading that, it went off in my heart like a light bulb. And I felt the Lord speak to my heart, just impress upon my heart that wherever the sole of my foot tread, that he would give me that land. And at first I thought it was just talking about the business. But then I realized God was talking about the whole, our whole life, mine and Susan's life together. 
And what I've seen since that day is that where God's called us to go and what God's called us to do, he, is, he has given us those areas. We've been able to take back from the kingdom of darkness what belongs to the kingdom of light. And it's not because of who we are, it's because of who God is. It's because when we step in faith and in faithfulness, he gives us those areas where our feet tread. He wants us to be ambassadors. He wants us to be pioneers going and taking new land for him, for his kingdom. And so that's what he's called us to do. And so we've stepped in obedience when we've been faithful to follow God. God has shown us that he's faithful to give us that land, to do what he has called us to do. And I believe 31 years ago when God brought us here that he had that in mind. And when he brought you to this church, he had that in mind, that God was going to take your life and he was going to use you to be sent into this community to transform a community. Because here's what I know. God's not finished. God's still working. And God's called you. He's gifted you and he's empowered you to go into this community and make a difference. The question then becomes, are we going to be faithful to do that? Are we willing to do that? Will we trust God enough to do that? Will we be faithful enough to do that? Because listen, he wants us to do that. He says this in verse 17. He says, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles I'm sending you, that I'm sending you to. He says, I'm going to rescue you, Paul. He says, I'm going to take you and, and I'm going to keep you, preserve your life. I'm going to I'm going to do something in you, and then I'm going to do something through you, and I'm going to rescue you from your own people. I'm going to rescue you from the Gentiles. And see, here's the thing I want us to realize is that if we've been appointed, we've also been rescued. Jesus has rescued us. How many of you would say, I've been rescued from something? God has rescued me from something. It might be a, an addiction. It might be a, a bad relationship. I don't know. It might have been a bad marriage that God put back together. But God's rescued us from something. We all have this same testimony as Paul if we're in Christ, that God rescued me. Because if nothing else, he's rescued you from sin and death. It's what Jesus came and died for. That's why he gave his life, gave up his life is so that we could have life. He took our sin on himself and he took the wrath for that sin so that we could, could be freed of that sin, so we could live. He, he died so that we could live. Um, his death wasn't the final, the, final, um, the final answer. The final answer was when Jesus came out of the tomb alive and he ascended into heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf. And so I want you to see that. I want you to grab hold of it. I want you to recognize that God has rescued you in the same way. God has given you a message. He's told you uh, what, to, what to tell. He's given you a testimony of, of who he is in your life for you to share with other people. So God gives us an appointment when he sends us. The other one, or the next one, is in verse 18. He says, that I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in faith, by, by faith in me. And so he goes and he, the next thing he does is he really describes the mission for Paul. And so the first thing I want you to see is that God has, has given us an appointment. The second thing I want you to see is that God's given us a mission. God has called us to a mission. He tells him what he's supposed to do. He tells him to go and to open their eyes. See, we've been called, we've been appointed as the church in, in this building, but especially outside of this building to help open blind eyes. And when I say blind eyes, I mean eyes that have not yet seen with faith who Jesus is. We've been called to help people to see, 
to help them open their eyes to the realization of who God is and what God's done. He's gifted and empowered us to do that. He's called us to do that. He's called us also to turn them from darkness to light, to take people out of the darkness and bring them into light. That's what God has done for us in Christ. That's what he wants to use us to do in other people's lives is bring them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is Paul's mission. This is our mission. And to take people from the power of Satan to God. He's saying basically what Satan's got his hands on and what Satan's got his claws in, he wants to take those and, and remove them. He wants us to be able to walk in the power of God because greater is he who's in me than he's in the world. And so God tells us that, that he wants us to be brought out of that power, that we can live free of that power, that Jesus overcame that power on the cross and through his resurrection. And so we don't have to live that way anymore. So he gives us a mission to go and do these things and so that we may be able to help them find forgiveness in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In other words, he's saying, look, it's about forgiveness. It's, it's about them coming to me. It's about them being reconciled to me. And he's saying, I want you to be reconciling people back to me, bringing them to me. And then I'm going to set them apart to do a work for me. It's what we talked about last week, that God wants to do a work in us so he can do a work through us. It's exactly what our mission is. Our mission here at the church, we put it into a statement that kind of is, is a is a synopsis of all that, kind of puts it all in a nutshell. And that basically is that we're here to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, we're here to connect unbelievers to God and connect believers to each other through Jesus. That's the call. That's the mission that God's given us to do. Verse 19, he says this. So then, this is probably my favorite verse in this section. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. See, God's given us a vision. He's called us to, to do something. And a vision's important because it tells you where you're going. It tells you when you get there. And, and when I read that, it jumped out at me. There, Paul said, I didn't want to be a disobedient to the vision. And, and here's the thing that I, I have in my heart is, look, when we're done with this thing, when, when, our, when our leg of this journey is over, and hopefully in about 40 years or more uh, for me, but, but when this thing is, is done and we're finished, I want us to be able to look at God, look at Jesus, and him be able to look at us and say, you were obedient to the vision. You were willing to do everything I gave you to do. You left nothing on the table. When I said step, you stepped. When I said go, you went. When I said you, you'd be sent, you were sent. I want us to be able to look back and see that. And so he gives us this vision. I remember when we were back at the blue building. We had just started. We had just moved into the blue building. And about 12 of us gathered together to pray about what God wanted us to do. And we were sitting there. We had a whiteboard. And we were like, what do, what do we see God doing in this church? What is he going to do? What, who's he going to reach? And we talked about it. We prayed about it. We went through it all. And then we got to a place where we finally came up with this vision. We called it 202080 that we would reach 2,000 people by the year 2020 and that 80% would be serving in a connect group and giving generously. And so we, we had that vision. And now that we're having over 2,000 people at each combined with each campus um, each week, that doesn't sound so far-fetched. But the thing you got to understand is when I stood up and I told them that this is a vision that God has for this church, there was 40 people or so that were attending. And so to stand up and say, we're going to see 2,000 people uh, come, to, come to church and encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to see this happen on a regular basis. And, and all 40 of you, you know, we're going to multiply and we're going to see this take place. And the crazy thing was that people thought we were crazy. Because how is it going to happen? It happened one step at a time. And it happened because we have a God who does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. 
And so we realized that we had, we had aimed too short. We, had, we, had, we were too far uh, below what God wanted to do. And so we got together again, and we began to pray about what does God want us to do. And we felt like God put 10,000 people in our heart. And so we, we, we believe this, that God's called us and given us a vision to reach 10,000 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest, when I think about that, I, I kind of look at it and I go, I have to really look at it with the eyes of faith and look at what God's already done in order for me to be able to believe that because that's so big. There's so many people. And the thing about it is I don't know exactly how it's all going to happen. The only thing I know is that we've got one message to preach and to proclaim, and that's Jesus crucified and raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father. He sent his Holy Spirit back to empower us. That's the message I know to preach. That's all I know to preach. But I know that that's the only message that can transform somebody's heart, that can give them new life. And so we're going to keep preaching this until Jesus comes back or I go to be with Jesus, one or the other. We're going to talk about that. We're going to share that. We're going to look at that. We're going to be about that. That's who we're going to be about. And I believe God is going to take that message and he's going to use it to reach people because Billy Shiver in Vidalia, Jeremy Lindsay in Millen, Buck over in, in Dublin, they're preaching the same message because it's the message that God has given us to preach. And we're going to see these people reached and see lives transformed and see marriages put back together. We're going to see families joined back together. We're going to see an incredible work of God as God reaches 10,000 people. And here's the thing that, that I think about and that I know is coming. I know I'll hear this. And it's okay. But somebody's going to say this. It's not about the numbers. That's what somebody's going to say. But here's the thing I would challenge you with. I think that's the politically correct thing to say. But I believe God is all about the numbers. I believe that God is all, so much about numbers that he put a book in the Bible called Numbers. Acts is full of numbers. And I believe God is all about numbers. But listen, the number that God is all about is one. Is one. I've been preaching this since day one. It's about the one. It's about the one who hasn't met Christ yet. It's about the next one that God puts in our path. It's about the next one that God gives me the opportunity to, to minister to, to share the gospel with, to tell my story to. It's about one. And see, it's not about numbers until that one, that next one, is our son or our daughter. Or, or until it's our mother or father, or maybe our aunt or uncle, or maybe a friend that we love dearly that we want to see come to know Christ. Then it becomes about that number. It becomes about that next person. And that's what it's all about. It's all about the next one that Jesus wants to reach, that Jesus calls to himself. It's about that next one. And that's what we're going to be about is reaching the next one. We're going to accomplish it by preaching the gospel, by loving people where they are, by doing what God's called us to do. And so the Bible goes on and he says, first to those in Damascus. So he started where he was. He started preaching. He started sharing. He started telling. How many of you remember when you were uh, in school and, and you did show and tell, right? Y'all remember that? You remember show and tell? You always took like a rock or something in that you talk about you, or, or you took like a, uh, uh, your favorite teddy bear or something like that. Um, I remember one time I wanted to take a shotgun. They wouldn't let me do that. But, but it, it was show and tell. It was about showing people um, something. It was about telling them something. I believe that's what God has told us to do. I believe that's what God wants us to do. In fact, I know it's what God wants us to do. He wants us to show Christ to people and he wants us to tell them about what God's done in our lives and about what Jesus has done for them. 
And so in verse 20, he says, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to to the Gentiles. And he says, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. And so when we look at this scripture, what we begin to see is that God has, one, given us an appointment. God, two, has given us a mission. God, three, has given us a vision. And God now has given us a message. He's given us a message to show and to tell so that other people can see who Jesus is, so they can come into an encounter with the reality of God. And so he wants us to show people the reality of Jesus. How do we do that? By serving him, by serving others. See, here's the thing that I want you to realize is that when people come in here and they wear an orange shirt or they wear a blue shirt or a yellow shirt or they wear a black shirt and they're serving in some area of the church, it's not just so that they can have something else to do. We put people out here in the parking lot for for the reason that we want folks, as soon as they drive on this property, to begin to experience the power of God. Listen, we want them to experience the love of Jesus. That's why they're out there. We put people at the doors and in the auditorium so that we can begin tearing down walls. You're not here serving just just to stand there. You're here serving out of a heart and love for Jesus, hopefully, so that you can share that heart and that love with other people as they're walking in the doors and as they're they're being uh, transformed, hopefully, by the Spirit already working in their lives. Listen, we, we don't, our orange shirts, we don't do babysitting. We don't do child care. We do ministry with children. From babies all the way up through the fifth grade. We don't, we don't do that on Sunday morning for child care. We do this to pour into their lives. That's what God's called us to do. He's given us a message, and we preach it from babies all the way through to adults. This message about Jesus reconciling us to himself, about forgiving our sins. And I want you to see it, because that's what it's all about. That's why we want people serving in there, because we have another generation of people to raise up to proclaim this gospel and to be sent into this world. That's why we do what we do. It's another reason that I love having college students in this church is because we can pour into these college students and see these college students grow in their relationship with Jesus. And then when they graduate, one of the worst things is they leave, they go. You get to know them, they get plugged in, and then they go. But the cool thing about it is they scatter all over the world and they become missionaries all over the world, going to different places. Why? Because we have a message. And it's a simple message. He says here that he was preaching, repent, repent. And turn to God. That's what repentance is. It's turning from sin and turning to God. And so he he gives this message, this simple message. And then he tells them this. On in there, he says, and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. In other words, fruits being produced in their life. So we turn from sin. We turn to God. Listen, what you turn from is not really as important as who you turn to. If you turn from sin to nothing, guess what? You'll be back there again quickly. But what we're called to do is turn from sin to turn to God. Be reconciled through the blood of Jesus. To be transformed through his blood, through his life, through his power. And then to demonstrate that as the fruit of the spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of that is produced in our lives for people to see so that we're still showing and we're telling people about the gospel of Jesus. We've got to see that. We've got to own it. We've got to embrace it. And embrace our call to share this message with others. The last thing I want you to see out of this section is in verse 22. He says, but God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the apostles or the prophets and and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer 
and that as the first to, be, to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Paul tells us really clearly, he says, God has helped me to this very day. And so if we're going to be sent and we're going to be faithful to do what God sends us to do, we need to understand that we've been sent with his promises. We're being sent with his promises. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's never going to desert us. Listen, he's going to be faithful to finish what he started. He's going to complete the work that he began in us. He's going to do that. And so we can be Take, take courage and take comfort in knowing that God is going to go with us. We're not doing this on our own, that he is faithful to do everything that he's promised to do. Back in 2013, I preached a message. It was actually out of 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And in 2013, the message was about empty jars. And, and these empty jars uh, represent things in our lives that that need to be filled, or next steps in our lives that create opportunity for God to move. And in that message, this, this widow in, in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, this widow goes to the prophet Elisha, and she says, I don't have anything in my house. She says, listen, the, the creditor that, that my husband owed money, he's coming to take my two boys and make them slaves. She said, I don't know what to do. I don't have many options. I don't have anything. He says, what's in your house? She said, nothing except a little olive oil. That's all I have, this cheap oil. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go collect as many jars as you can find. And I want you to take those jars into your house. I want you to close the door. And I want you to pour this oil into those jars. And he, she took the oil that she had. She had the jars that they went around and collected from different people, these empty jars. And she began to pour the oil. And the Bible says that as she poured the oil, they would move the jar when it got full and give her another jar. Finally, she gets to the last one. and She says, give me another jar. They're like, we don't have any more jars. God had filled every jar to the rim. He had filled it up. And I want you to see that when you take a next step in your life, that, that creates an empty jar. It creates an opportunity for God to move. It's like when we went, went from the blue building to the high school. We, it was a huge empty jar. That place seats about 1,100 people. The most people we'd ever had on a Sunday at that point was 500 people. But we knew that God could fill it up. It was an empty jar that we gave him. And so, so he began to fill it. And he began to do an incredible work there. And, and we, we saw this happening. So an empty jar is that next step of faith that you take that gives God a place to move, a place to fill, something to work in and something to work through. And everybody in here has a, a, a step to take, but sometimes it's hard to take it because we, we may mentally assent to the faithfulness of God and what he's gonna do, but sometimes it's hard for us to get it in our heart. And the thing I want today is I wanna encourage you. I actually want you to see a piece of that sermon from 2013, and I want to encourage you with it and then with something else I want to show you uh, that, that God is faithful, that you can take your next step and that God's going to do everything he's promised, that God's not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you, he's going to be there with you through it, through it all, even through the fire, even through the challenge, even through the difficult days, he's going to be there, he's going to be with you, he's going to be faithful to do everything he's promised to do. And so I want you to see this video uh, from 2013. The next one is one in one, and some of you have heard about this. This is one in one. This is the project, one in one project that we started. Part of it is to build a permanent facility. We'll talk about that in a little while. But the other part of it is the other half of the money is going straight to outreach and missions. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the reality of it is that this is the first jar that God is going to fill. I believe that He will fill this jar. It's a total of $3 million. That's a lot of money, right? 
That is a lot of money. But I believe this, that God is going to fill it. I'll show you where we are right about now. God has filled it to about right there. We're 10%, about $300,000. But I know this, God's desire, God will do this. If we'll be faithful, he'll fill it. What we've seen God do in the past, I believe gives us courage to go and, and to face the future and the steps of faith that he calls us to. The next one, if you, and by the way, if you have any questions about one-on-one, we've got a table that's a permanent table. You can go out there and ask all the questions you want about one-on-one and about what it is and about what we're doing. The next one is uh, transitional housing. This may be one that most of you aren't real familiar with, but basically this is taking people who, they may not be homeless, but they're borderline homeless, or they may be homeless, but it's people who desire to get back on their feet. This is designed to be a hand up, not a hand out. But for people who say, yeah, I want to get back on my feet, we believe that if we can see a need and, and, and we have the capability of meeting the need, that we should meet the need to the glory of God, that we would meet that need. And so we are going to purchase a permanent facility that will house people who we are taking through a program to get them back on their feet. We've already been doing this for the last couple of years, some of it through one-on-one. A lot of it hasn't even been through one-on-one. It's just been through the regular church budget that we would just try to help people and get them back on their feet. And I want to tell you a little bit about the program. It helps people find jobs. For one, we've seen people get permanent employment. It helps provide skills training. We help them get the things they need so they can be um, successful. Um, It helps establish a budget for them. It teaches them about a budget. So many people don't even know how to balance a checkbook. We're teaching them these things. We're we're helping them achieve financial stability so they can stand on their own feet. And most importantly, they're growing in relationships with Christ. So far, we've seen 20 people, not counting children, who've come through this program. It's not just paying a water bill. It's not just paying a light bill. It's helping them get back on their feet. So far, eight people have already gotten permanent living arrangements. Eight people were helped to find jobs. And five people were able to get vehicles that helped them to take care of their families and also to get them to and from work. But we believe that that's just the tip of the iceberg. We've also seen over a dozen people come to faith in Christ through this program. And... Of those people who came to Christ, every single one of them are still involved in a church. We're also setting aside $20,000 per year for five years to help in this. This is separate from the 217 to get the program off the ground. That'll cover like the first three years of just getting the program going, of getting the facility. And we're going to take $20,000 a year for the next five years, and we're going to help people get back on their feet. We're not going to just, you know, this old saying of, of we're not just going to give them a fish. We're going to teach them to fish. We're seeing this happen. People's lives are being changed. Once this is done, after the, the, the first three years, it'll take about $38,000 to run it for, for, uh, for, for the rest of, till Jesus comes back, right? $38,000. That is nothing when you compare it to giving somebody life in Christ. Can you put a dollar value on that? Absolutely not. And so we have this transitional housing jar that we believe that God is going to fill. The next jar is facilities. I would say we need to expand our facilities, but we need a facility, right? 
We have no facilities to expand. And so we're looking at building a permanent facility. Right now, we're scattered everywhere. We meet here on Sunday. Our youth are at the Wesley House. We've got our kids on Wednesday at uh, the, the Honey Bowen Recreation Department building. We've got our college students during the summer meeting at 180 Fitness. We've got people everywhere, right? And here's the thing. Is I don't mind being mobile, but the thing that happens is when we're mobile, it, it, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of focus away from being able to do ministry. What we want to do is people focus on people, not people focused on setting up pipe and drape all the time, right? And here's the thing, nobody ever asked the question, why do you want to build a permanent facility if they've helped with setup? You know what I'm saying? Like if that's your question, 5.30 next Sunday, we'll answer that for you, right? And we've had people that, that they'll come and they'll help set up and they're like, man, I'll just write a bigger check. I don't want to do this every Sunday. And, and the reality of it is, yeah, it, it, we, we need it. And I want you to understand that a facility is, is exactly that. It facilitates reaching people. It's a tool. I can honestly tell you, if we can meet here until Jesus comes back. It doesn't matter. I don't have to have a building. I've got an office. I've got a place to read my Bible. That's about all it takes, right? In fact, ministry, basically, if you've got a Bible and you've got somebody to talk to, that's a ministry opportunity. That's about what you need. But I believe for the longevity of the ministry, we need this. I believe there's great opportunity to reach people. Just having a building doesn't mean much, but having a tool that's bringing people into the gospel. I believe this will be the place that, that we gather so that we can scatter. I don't know if y'all know this, but on a typical Sunday, there's about three to 400 missionaries that come from Georgia Southern University. They don't know they're missionaries, but they're missionaries because one day they're gonna graduate and they're gonna go into banking or they're gonna go into teaching or they're gonna go into construction or they're gonna go into something and they're gonna be sent out into the world to go and we're going to have missionaries all over the face of the earth because of these people coming in and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you realize this. Thank yep. I got five minutes. I don't know if you realize this, but, but they, they pour so much into this church. The energy, the resources these students bring is absolutely incredible. But I look at it as if we're raising up missionaries to send out. And I believe this, this permanent facility is going to be a place that we scatter, not just gather. We've already got land. We bought land about a year and a half, two years ago. It's next to Sally Zetterar School, the new Sally Z. It's going to cost uh, about 5 to $6 million to build this facility. But here's the thing I look at. Can you put a dollar amount on changing people's lives? Absolutely not. I can tell you this, there's, 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 there's uh, uh, about 1.5 million is what we'll have to have. We're raising 3 million total for one and one. Half of it's going to missions and outreach. Half of it's going to a permanent facility, $3 million. And so I believe that's what God is going to call us to do. The last jar is church plants, planting churches, planting campuses. One of the questions that we get is what's the difference in a satellite campus and a church plant? Well, this is what we believe that God's called us to plant churches or satellite campuses in other places. There are people, there are places that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people, there are places that, 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 that need to hear it. And you can say, well, why don't we just support another church? Well, here's the reason why. Studies have shown, I think it was Barner that did the study, that 80 to 85% of churches are either plateaued or dying. So why not support just another church? Because I believe this with all my heart, it is much easier to give birth than it is to raise the dead. 
And so we're going to invest in planting churches. Satellite campuses would be where we put our message into a campus. There would be a local pastor who shepherds that flock, but there would be a message that came from this location. Can you imagine Statesboro, Georgia changing the state of Georgia? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Glad you're excited about that. And then, <laughs> then you've also got church plants where we've seen, you saw Billy Shiver, you saw Sean Fox um, who preached the last two weeks of, of this message. And you saw that through the, their preaching and through the, the serving that took place here during those days, that six people went from death to life in Christ. And, and those people, those people who are called, those men who are called to go and plant, we want to raise them up. We want to equip them to go and plant a church, to go and do what God's called them to do. And that's what we want to see happen. And so you say, well, will it be a satellite? Will it be a church plant? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Whatever tools God gives us, we're going to use them for his glory. We're going to believe that he will fill up these churches, these jars, these empty jars with people who need to hear the gospel, the good news of Christ. We believe that's what God has called us to do. Where will we plant the churches? Wherever God says. When will we plant them? When God says. That can be frustrating, but you know what? We're going to listen to God and do what he says. I hope that the first one's within the next two and a half years. I really do. I hope we'll be able to send somebody out or, or find a place that's like, yeah, we need what you guys are doing. And we go in there and we begin to change lives through the power of the Spirit of God. I wanted you to see that. You can clap. I wanted you to see that because I told you that when God sends us, he sends us with his promises and he's faithful to fulfill his promises. And the cool thing about it is um, that those jars, except for a little bit in one and one, were completely empty three and a half years ago. And I want you to see today that God is filling up this one in one jar. We're a little over halfway there. We're about 1.7 million is where we're at. And I want you to know that 1.7 million is changing people's lives not just through a place that facilitates people meeting Christ, but in the community, we've seen God do incredible things as we've been able to use that to, to minister to people in the community. And so when you look at that, it's, an, it's awesome to see God filling that jar. This jar was completely empty at that time. This facilities, the facilities. Listen, you're sitting in the faithfulness of God right now. God is faithful. And he got us here. If you had told me three and a half years ago we would have what we have, I would have probably said you're crazy. And, and, and it, it really is something that God has done, not something that we could have created. The way it's happened has been all God. And then you've got the transitional housing that's being filled. God's filling this one up. Listen, we've already seen God do a ton of things through transitional housing. We've seen him do incredible things, but there's more to be done. We've now got a, a plan developed, a program developed for people to go through there's seminars that they'll attend. There's, there's different teachings and trainings that they're going to experience. This is all coming together. And I, I, I see this jar being filled quickly. We have three units that somebody has donated to us that we are using to put people into. And we actually have a family moving into one of them today. We just had one move out who, who was gone, moved to Texas, getting married. But we we're there to be able to help her along until she got back ready to go again. And this family's moving in today. We're seeing incredible things happen. God is filling this jar. And then maybe my favorite is the church plants. Because here's the thing, three and a half years ago, even two and a half years ago, there wasn't a church plant. It was just Statesboro. But God has done an incredible work in raising up people to go plant these churches. 
and, and we've planted three campuses now. It started out with Statesboro, went to three. Now there's four campuses. And we see that in Vidalia and Dublin and Millen, how God's working and how he's doing. I didn't fill this one all the way up because there's still more to be done. There's still more that God's gonna do. This is still a jar that God's gonna continue to fill. But I'd say he's done a pretty incredible work over the last three and a half years to get it to where it's at right now. And I wanted to show you all of this stuff just because I want you to see how faithful God is. That from 2013 to 2017, other than me getting older, I look like a baby in that video, didn't I? Other than me getting older, there's a lot of other stuff that's taking place too. And God really has been working in incredible ways. And I want you to see his faithfulness through this church, but I want you to see it for this reason. I want you to see it so that you can grow your own faith, so that you can take your own step so that you can do what it is that God's called you to do. What is the next step God's called you to take to create an empty jar for God to fill? Because what I've seen through this church and what I've seen in my life and what I've seen through many of your lives is that if we'll continue to step, God will continue to fill. And, and it's all done to his glory. It's all something that brings him praise. It's all something that demonstrates, it shows and it tells who he is. And so what's your next step? What is it that you need to take a step of faith in to create an empty jar for God to fill? I wanna bring it down to this. Listen, our first step is always, always salvation. It's always coming to Christ. Then we've got a bunch of next steps after that that we can take one at a time. But the first step is salvation. And so here's your opportunity. You heard me talk about Jesus taking our sin. You heard me talk about Jesus offering forgiveness and reconciliation to God. You heard me talk about Jesus sending back the Holy Spirit to fill us. Those are all things that happen when we come to faith in Christ. The forgiveness, the reconciliation, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna give you an opportunity if you haven't done that, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't, come to this place of salvation in Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity this morning. If you've never given your life to Christ, you've never been saved, never put your faith in Jesus, but today God's speaking to your heart. I wanna give you the opportunity right now to nail that down. So I'm gonna ask you if you're here and ask you, would you raise your hand and let us celebrate with you and let us walk with you and help you take your next steps of faith. This is the first empty jar. It's your life. It's you being filled with the power of the Spirit. Right here today. All right. Well, then this is what I want to close out the service with. If you're here today and you know I have a next step to take, I've got a next step to take. I know that there's an empty jar I need to place before the Lord. And God's put this in your heart. And I'm going to ask you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. In fact, if you've got a next step, you know I'm supposed to take a next step. There's something that God is leading me to do. There's something that God's called me to do. There's something that he's leading me to, to take a next step. I'm going to ask you to stand so we can pray. You stand and we'll pray. What I want to pray for is that God gives us the faith to do that. I know I have a next step. I know there's things that, that God's called me to do to take a step towards. So I'm gonna pray that God gives us the strength, the courage to do that. So let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us, that 
that you're so good to us, God. God, I pray right now that we would just be flooded with the power of your spirit. Fill us again, God, overflowing. Give us courage and give us strength, God, to step. Knowing that, God, as we step in your will, that you are faithful to give us that land, that wherever the sole of our foot treads, God, you give us that land. And so give us strength, even when we can't see it, God. Even when we don't know how it's going to happen. Give us the ability, Lord, to take that step, to do what you have told us to do. Let us always be faithful to listen to you and do what you say, God. Because, God, I know that's the best way to live. So, Lord, let's, let us do that through the power of your spirit. Let us be faithful to that. And go with us from this place, Lord. Give us opportunities to show and tell about you and about who you are. Give us opportunities to share your love through service, and through our witness and what you've done for us. God, we love you. Thank you that the best is yet to come. Thank you that you're not dumb, but there's more that you want to do. We love you, Lord, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week. We hope to see you next week.